0: Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a blue gold report podcast fighting Irish sports from the inside out subscribe to the blue gold report. It's not just talk. It's the blue gold
1: report. Welcome to another edition of the blue gold report. I'm Todd Burlage. I'm flying solo this week. Mason, he's a birthday boy today, so he is going to take the day off and rags is tied up in meetings. Tried to corral, recruit one or the other. Was unsuccessful, so you're stuck with me and me alone today. Quite a bit to get to. We're going to revisit the Camping World Bowl. Sorry we missed you last week with the holidays and everything. Everybody's schedules was shuffled around, so we were unable to uh, put a show together. But we'll recap that for a little bit. I know it was a long time ago, so we won't spend a ton of time on that. want to kind of look at the roster, where things stand now. Obviously, the Cole Komet situation, him jumping ship here a year early, kind of threw everybody into a little bit of an uproar considering he actually said he was coming back and changed his mind, which certainly he has the power to do so. Um, I want to, now that the uh, decade's over, kind of want to sort of put together an all-decade team. But first, as we start every show, I guess we should thank our sponsors, and the show is brought to you by Deal McCohen's son Funeral Home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They're fine folks there. Um, but as we start every show, here's a three-pack of blue-gold nugget, probably one of the worst-kept secrets I can remember on the coaching front. Notre Dame defensive backs coach Todd Light is leaving. Looks like he's going to join the Rams. Uh, had a great career there actually. Um he was the number 5 pick. Todd Light was in the 1991 draft, NFL draft. It's the highest pick for a Notre Dame defensive back in program history. So he's likely going to land with the LA Rams. All, all everything points to that. His family's already moved out there so that gives you some idea. Um, came here in 2015. Time flies. I wouldn't have thought he was here that long. Probably his two biggest, uh, most notable players that studied under him would be Kavari Russell and Julian Love. A couple NFL dudes there. Uh, Notre Dame. This has a little bit of a Fort Wayne feel to it. actually picked up a commitment from a grad transfer. Bennett Skoranek, coming from Northwestern. He's a wide receiver. Big kid. Six foot four. He actually, He's actually a Homestead High School grad. Um, So, a little bit of a hometown flavor there. He's coming to Notre Dame. And, you know, when you lose Chase Claypool and Chris Fink, it's probably a good thing. And now Cole Komet, for that matter. So, uh, obviously, as a grad transfer, he can plug and play, and I guarantee he will. I think he's a nice addition and a good get for Notre Dame. Was hurt last year, this past season, 2019 season. So, he only played three games for Northwestern. That allowed him, then, to take his uh, kind of red shirt as a senior and have that fifth year of eligibility. Did play 38 games at Northwestern, had 110 catches, 1,417 yards, and eight TDs. So, not bad production there. Not bad production at all. So, look forward to seeing him. He'll be here for the spring semester. Three Notre Dame recruits from the 2020 class were in the Under Armour All American game this past weekend. Uh, Drew Pine, quarterback Drew Pine, played very, very well. He was nine of eleven, 121 yards with a touchdown. Also added three rushes for 16 yards on the ground. Uh, He was only in there for three drives and led uh, led his team to three scores. Running back Chris Tyree was a teammate of Drew Pines. He didn't get he was actually a team captain and a starter, but boy, he didn't get much of a chance to showcase himself at all. Um, Four carries for five yards. Did have a one yard TD. So really just didn't get much of a chance. I kind of was checking out that game, hoping to see some of this breakaway speed and whatnot. But they just really never gave him the ball. So nothing against Chris Tyree. We'll get our chance to see plenty of that up the line here. Long snapper Alex Peitsch, P-E-I-T-S-H. Not sure if I'm saying that right. He was perfect on his field goal, his PAT, and his punt snaps looked really good. He'll come in, he'll start. With John Shannon not coming back for a fifth year, our long snapper here for some time. Uh, Alex will come right in here and start in the for the 2020 season. So something to look forward there as well. All right, let's move on here. we already sort of mentioned Cole Komet. Cole Komet now becomes the 18th player to leave school a year early after his junior season. Do believe we him and I? I did a story for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Uh, that's where I work for the most part. Um, and it was just how they Notre Dame how it kind of has this accelerated program that it does with his players. Where, especially if you're an early enrollee, which Komet was not, um, they put you on a plan where you can graduate after your junior year, three and a half years. But Komet was able to accelerate himself because of taking extra summer classes and whatnot. Not 100% sure, but he may have actually graduated, even though he's leaving a year early. 12 players, he becomes the twelve player since 2010. That was BK's first season to leave early. Obviously, it's more of a fad now than it used to be. Uh, It's a pretty star-studded list that includes Kyle Rudolph, another great tight end. Stefan Tuitt, a terrific defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers now. Jalen Smith, another Fort Wayne reference there, doing a great job with the Dallas Cowboys. Got snubbed in the Pro Bowl for some reason. Will Fuller, terrific wide receiver down there for the Houston Texans. And Julian Love, so those are a few of the notables that have left early under Brian Kelly. I mentioned it because Cole Komet surprised me very much. I thought I was actually breaking some news here had an exclusive interview with him for a story I was doing for Notre Dame for the uh, one of the game programs. It was a feature on Komet. And I asked him about his baseball career, and he said, absolutely, I'm going to be back in the spring to play baseball because his younger brother, Casey Komet, is coming to Notre Dame as a freshman and playing baseball for Notre Dame. And Cole mentioned that he really wanted to have a year playing with Casey and he was going to delay his NFL aspirations. Well, it turns out that wasn't the case. Um, So I thought I was breaking a little bit of news because I knew that if you're going to come back in the spring to play baseball, you're certainly not out and about preparing for the NFL draft. Um, So I thought for sure that that's what Komet was going to do. He actually came out and said it publicly again. This was in early November when he said that. So this kind of came as a surprise to me that, indeed, he is going to the NFL. He's rated as you know at least a top three tight end. Scott Wright, my friend at NFL Draft Countdown, he says maybe, maybe, depending on combine work and some other things, perhaps a late first rounder, more than likely a second round pick. So we'll see how that goes. I think he's going to be a beast of a tight end, though, in the NFL. He's a great athlete. Might be a little, maybe not quite as athletic as Tyler Eifert was, but a little bit thicker, you know, a little bit beefier. Eifert's more of a sort of a wide receiver on steroids in a lot of in a lot of respects. Uh, but Comet's certainly a gifted athlete and a super good guy. How big of a loss is this for Notre Dame for 2020? I think it's pretty significant because when you look at it, now you've lost Fink, Claypool, and Comet. Those are your three top receivers from last year. You thought you were going to have Comet a little stability there with him coming back. That's not going to be the case. Actually, it's the first time in some time, 2007, that Notre Dame lost its top three receivers. Um, and that was when Jeff Samarja, Rima McKnight, and Darius Walker all left. Uh, they, those were the top three pass catchers from that particular team. So that hasn't happened in a while. I guess the torch gets passed to Tommy Trumbull. Did a nice job this year, for sure. 16 receptions, 183 yards, 4 touchdowns. Pretty solid numbers, no doubt. Especially if you take Komet back to Comet's 18 season, leading obviously to his breakout year this year. Uh, Komet in 2018 had 15 receptions, 162 yards, and no scores. So Tommy Tremble actually has better production co- going into what should be his breakout season than what Comet did. So that should help ease minds a little bit. And then you have the stud recruit Michael Mayer, rated as the number thirty-seven player in the entire country at tight end. He's six foot five, two hundred thirty-four pounds. He's already a man child. Uh, he is actually rated as the top, as the best tight end recruit at Notre Dame since Kyle Rudolph. So certainly we can look for Michael Mayer to come in and make an immediate impact, especially with Cole Komet out of here. Brock Wright, he continues. He's a nice player, but he certainly has settled into this role as a run blocker. So I don't necessarily see Brock Wright kind of busting out and becoming some sort of big pass-catching threat out of nowhere. Sort of gives us some roster clarity here with Komet leaving. Uh, What we do know are the players that are coming back. Actually, since our last show, Ian Book announced he was. We all knew Ian Book was coming back. Ade and he is coming back along the defensive line. He's going to have a terrific year in 2020. He is a nice player. Just did, just had to play behind so much talent in Khalid Kareem and Julian Okwara that he just didn't get his chance. Dalen Hayes, we know we know he's coming back. And Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle, said in November as well that he will be back for his fifth year. I'm going to hold him to that more than I am to commit because. The defensive lineman, it really does do them a lot of good to come back for that extra year. When you're talking about skill guys, not so much. Um, so we do know those four guys are coming back. Who we do know is gone for sure. Running back Tony Jones Jr. will not be back. I mentioned John Shannon, the long snapper, will not be back. And as expected, safety Elohi Gilman wants to go to the NFL and pursue his, pursue his career. He already missed some time with a transfer and injury and everything else, so... Great unknowns, we'll call them. Sean Crawford, defensive back, cornerback, a, a position of great, great need for Notre Dame. That cornerback position, Tariq Bracey is really about all you have, and the sophomore class, the sophomores to be really underachieved. That's that's a that's a position group that included Houston Griffith, a top top recruit that was really highly hyped coming in here and really has really has underachieved, frankly, and then the incoming class. Three three star guys that are considered more project players than immediate impact players. So I think Sean Crawford. I guarantee the coaches are pushing him to get back here. But what does that get you? He's had, already had three season end or three injuries that have knocked him out for extended periods of time, oftentimes for the entire season. This would be his sixth year with the program. They could certainly use him, and they're not going to turn him down if he wants to come back. But you just you, you have to question his health. Can Sean Crawford stay healthy? We don't know. And Tommy Kramer, offensive guard, I, I he had the MCL strain, missed, uh, I think it was like four games, four or five games. I think he'll be back. Again, it falls under that Liam Eichenberg category, the offensive lineman. It does do them a lot of good to come back here. And I thought that, I thought that offensive line, in many respects, it was decent in the past game, but I thought it underachieved quite a bit in the running game this season. So another year wouldn't hurt either one of those guys, and I think if they could get those two back, everybody else will be back, and it's going to be one of the elite offensive lines in the country. So those are the two still to watch, Sean Crawford and Tommy Kramer. Uh we will keep an eye out on those. Those are kind of your roster roster moves. All right, let's let's hop over here to this camping world bowl. I have to admit, I was wrong on a lot of counts on this on this Notre Dame team. I absolutely Well, if we would have had a show this week, let me put it this way. I would have predicted Iowa State to beat Notre Dame, for full disclosure. I just thought the game meant more to Iowa State than it did to Notre Dame. I felt like Notre Dame felt jilted uh, because it was a second-tier bowl for a 10-win Notre Dame team. I think they thought they deserved better, and as it turns out, they probably did deserve better. Um, I thought Iowa State making its first-ever bowl trip in the state of Florida would be more motivated. It's a program on the uptick. I thought Brock Purdy, the quarterback there, he was one of the best in the business this year out of that Big 12. Didn't happen, man. Notre Dame was ready to go, and I have to give the team a lot of credit, and I have to give Brian Kelly a lot of credit, too, because I was wrong. This is the same guy here that was ready to write off Ian Book big time after the Michigan game. I remember having a debate with somebody about Mason, actually, I think was in here, and we were talking about, do you even want Ian Book back for a fifth season? Uh, Yeah, I think you probably do after the way he played in November uh, during the six-game winning streak to finish the season. So good for Notre Dame. Great balance in this game. 33-9 win, obviously. 33-9 over the Cyclones. Notre Dame had 455 yards of total offense. That was 208 on the ground and 247 through the air. I mentioned Brock Purdy, the fine quarterback from Iowa State. The team didn't score any touchdowns. And this is a team that hung 40 points on Oklahoma, a playoff team, so great job by the Notre Dame defense. Really, it was a three-pronged attack. I think you could make a case that this was Notre Dame's most complete game of the entire season. Because hop over to special teams here, and I'll get a little more player specific here uh, with the offense and defense. But let's start with special teams. Junior place kicker Jonathan Dorr, four for four on his field goals. You know, if it would have mattered, he may have made a case to have the. Uh, game MVP, to be honest with you. A couple 39-yarders hit that 51-yard knuckleball. That was a, a thing of, well, let's not call it a thing of beauty, but it went through, and that's all that matters. It was the fourth longest field goal in Notre Dame history. Uh, 51 yards there. For the season, he went 17 of 20. Very, very solid and made every one of his PATs. So Jonathan Doerr will be back next year, and I think a lot of people are going to be happy about that because he turned in to be a solid kicker. If you remember, Brian Kelly wasn't fully confident in this guy coming in. I remember at the Culver Military Academies, when practice opened, when camp opened, Brian Kelly was not singing Jonathan Dora's praises. As a matter of fact, he brought in a preferred walk-on to kind of compete for that starting job. Uh, Dora beat him out. Uh, let's see, offensively, Chase Claypool gets the MVP. He adds Camping Bowl MVP honors to his team MVP honors from a week earlier. He had seven receptions. 146 yards and a TD. That was kind of cool because it pushed him over the 1,000-yard mark. I know before the season he said he wanted to get to that 1,000-yard mark. It didn't look like it was going to be it was going to happen until he had that scolding hot November and obviously added this game to it. Let's see, for the season he had 1,037 yards and 13 TDs. Good stuff. Tony Jones Jr. had that big 84-yard touchdown run. 11 carries, 135 yards, and a TD. Nice way to cap off his career, too. I'm going to pop in this clip here for you because Brian Kelly almost sounds like he has a chip on his shoulder on a couple, on these two clips, and I can understand why. But this first one, he's really beaming with pride in the way his team prepared, the way they were ready to go, and, again, I think the most complete game they played all season.
0: So proud of our football team, um, my staff and coaches. Uh, you know, 2019 will be one that um, I'll always remember um, – for a group of guys that uh, just loved to play uh, the game. Uh, they had such a strong brotherhood. Uh, they did not listen to what the naysayers had to say about them, uh, the negative tone, the negative people out there. Even this week, you know, Notre Dame's not ready to play. Uh, they used that as another form of motivation to show people wrong. It, it, you just read this team wrong, and uh, it's just so satisfying that um, this group has been rewarded with um, 11 wins because um, they have thought only about uh, their teammates and, and how they can work to get better each and every day. So uh, they overcame adversity, uh, lived the life lessons of it. They're not perfect. They never pretended to be perfect They're, and, and never wanted to be, uh, but always strive for excellence. So uh, I'll always remember this group as a special group.
1: Yeah, you can hear it in Brian Kelly's voice there, for sure. He is one proud man, and good for him. 11 wins is an impressive mark. Hasn't happened a lot at Notre Dame. There's been a lot of 10-win seasons mixed in there. But 11, that's, that's, that's a little bit unusual. What does it mean? I think that's the big question. And I want to dive into this next week with Mason a little bit more because Brian Kelly said something kind of interesting, and I want to banner this back and forth. That's why I'm not going to hit on it today. That He said that he really wants to lift his recruiting now He's sick of being a top 15 guy when it comes to recruiting. He said it's time to become a top five, annual top five classes that he's putting together in recruiting. I thought that was a little weird because isn't that kind of your goal all along? So we'll debate that a little bit more this year. But I think what it means is just that the momentum of this program continues to hum along. It's double figure wins now three years in a row. No reason to think they can't duplicate that again next season. Obviously, the big game will be the home one against Clemson when that time comes, uh, but here's Brian Kelly again, just talking about how he appreciated the fact that once they got beat and really dismantled by Michigan, his team really never faltered, and they were able to regroup, reconnect, pull together, and just through the camaraderie that this group has, win its last six games.
0: We knew that the way they played against Virginia Tech after the Michigan game Uh, what the identity was of this group and who their character was and truly who they were as a football team and that was the case each and every week. They didn't complain about uh, what they didn't have. Uh, They knew what they had and that was they had each other and a chance to play another game together. It wasn't, we had our fan base complaining about where we were going. We were happy. We love Orlando. Every time we come back here uh, we have a great experience and archives We're never into anything but having another chance of playing. And so that happened at Virginia Tech, and it was the next week. I remember Chase being so excited at the Duke game. You know, we're playing. It was freezing cold. It's an 8 o'clock game. Uh, I think halfway through it, there was nobody there, right? And these guys are just excited like kids to play the game. And that's when you knew you had a special group of guys that just wanted to play the game.
1: Yeah, heck of a job done. By the Irish there down the stretch. Brian Kelly, we've mentioned this before, but became the first coach since Nuke Rockney and only the second coach in program history to have a 5-0 and o November. Uh, good for him. And these six wins, they won them all by an average of about 26 points per. So not only was Notre Dame winning games, they were dominating games. And I think it really does give them a lot to build on for next year. I think this will certainly be easily a preseason top 10 team. Curious to see if they get into the top 10, if that win over Iowa State was impressive enough to push them into the final AP top 10. It's going to be close. It is going to be close. I think they might sneak in there at that number 10 spot. They entered the game at number 15. And really not getting a lot of respect, but when you win your last six games by 27 points or whatever the case may be, it was right around that mark, 26-27. I think certainly you probably deserve a top 10 ranking. When you're talking about your two losses, we're against Michigan. And Georgia, on the road, two teams that played in elite bowl games. So, uh, again, I think Notre Dame well-deserving of a top-10 postseason ranking this year and certainly a top-10 preseason ranking next year. Moving on, we're what I'm going to do here, I decided to slap this together with the end of the decade upon us. I thought it would be kind of fun to put together an all-decade team. Instead of doing the entire offense and defense, Just going to start with the offense this week. And obviously, if you're starting with offense, you're going to start with the quarterback. And boy, this was a tough one right out of the gate here. But I'm going to go ahead and give Ian Book the nod um, over Tommy Reese. It's just so funny when you look at Reese, the numbers he put up. For the decade, he had the most wins, 23, the most yards, 7,670 yards, 7,670, and 61 TDs. When you look back on his career, and all the heat he took, turnover Tommy, all that good stuff. You just, I, I just don't remember him throwing for almost 7,700 yards and 61 touchdowns. I really don't. But he did. Um, Book slightly behind. Obviously, Book uh, gets handicapped here because he'll play over two decades where Reese did all his damage here this previous decade. Uh, Book has 57 touchdowns, so he's going to catch Reese next year there. And he'll likely catch him in yardage, too. 6,123 yards right now for Ian Book. And that's kind of why I chose Book. I cheated a little bit because I felt like, all right, we kind of have to give Ian the benefit of the doubt here and make him a three-year starter like Tom Reese was. So uh, I'm giving Book the edge. I just think he's a little bit more versatile, especially with his legs. Obviously, that goes without saying. Can do a lot more on the ground. I, I just I couldn't pick a Deshaun Kaiser or a Brandon Wimbush or an Everett Golson. They just they just didn't rate for me. So Ian Book gets the nod at quarterback over Tom Reese. Running back, I had to go with Josh Adams. Theo Riddick he, and CJ Procise certainly deserve to be in the conversation. But when you look at what Adams did, he broke the Notre Dame freshman record, uh eight hundred and thirty-five rushing yards. And then he came back as a junior, if you remember. There was even some Heisman hype surrounding him, 1,430 yards that year. He did, uh, he hit the wall at the end of that season because the second the Heisman hype started a little bit, he kind of went in the tank a little bit there. But still, 1,430 yards, certainly a solid season there. And if you look at his career that all happened in this decade, 3,198 yards, that led everybody for this particular decade and that ranks 5th all time for rushing yardage 3198 wide receiver I like I, this is this again this was a little bit tough because of what Chase Claypool did frankly but I still think you have to give the nod to Michael Floyd and Will Fuller you got to take two of them here both a couple first round picks there you know TJ Jones had more receptions than both of them in the decade he had 181 receptions and was certainly a versatile player But when you're just talking about big play capabilities, I don't know how you can turn down Fuller or Floyd. You remember 2011, Michael Floyd had 100 receptions in just one season, which is a program record. Will Fuller, uh, let's see here, he had 144 receptions for his career. Those 144 averaged 17 point yards per, 17.4 yards per reception. That's big time stuff there. And his 30 touchdowns were the most by any Irish player, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, whatever the case may be, in the decades. So certainly Will Fuller has to get the nod there. Man, that is a fantastic one-two punch of Floyd and Fuller. Tight end, obviously Cole Komet would kind of be in that conversation a little bit because of the year he had this year, even while missing the first two games with injury. But certainly another Fort Wayne connection. How about this? It's this kind of been a Fort Wayne-themed show a little bit. Tyler Eifert, I think, easily gets the nod here. He was the 2012 Mackey Award winner for best tight end in the country. A first-round NFL draft pick. Had 140 receptions for his career, which is a school record for a tight end. And as a, let's see, in 2011, he had 63 receptions for 803 yards, which were both single-season mark marks that Tyler Eifert holds. This is my favorite part, I think, of this all-decade team, because think about this dominating offensive line. This is insane. Ronnie Stanley at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard, Nick Martin at center, Zach Martin at right guard, and Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Now, I know a couple of those guys. I'm, I'm mixing matching the positions here a little bit, but... Uh, not, Not too much, actually. I just moved tackles over to the other side and did a couple things there. If you want to talk about the five best players from the decade that you want to get on the field at the same time, it would be those five. As a matter of fact, Ronnie Stanley this year, according to Pro Football Focus, rated out as the top offensive line pass blocker in the entire NFL. And it's interesting that we're doing an all Notre Dame decade team because Zach Martin, He was just named to the All-NFL Decade Team. So I'm not sure which one he's going to be happier about making my particular Notre Dame All-Decade Team or the NFL All-Decade Team, but certainly a couple monster honors there for Zach Martin. You know, when you look at it, Stanley, Nelson, Zach Martin, and Mike McGlinchey, they were all first-round picks. Harry Heastand understudies. And then center Nick Martin he was a second-round pick, and I know Nick's been a little dinged up with injury here, but certainly all look to be having splendid NFL careers for sure. Uh, so I had a little fun with that. We'll do the defense next week. All right, quick fly-by-the-hoop scene here because Notre Dame men, they start their ACC grind. They're already 0-2 because they had the early games with North Carolina and Boston College. They lost both of those, but here the real stuff starts. 18 games left in the regular season. 18 ACC games. I wish them well. This is a critical, uh, Notre Dame is nine and four. This is a critical stretch right here, right out of the gate. Three tough games. They have to go at Syracuse Saturday, 4 p.m. That's today if you're listening in Fort Wayne on the radio show. It's tomorrow if you're downloading the podcast on Friday when I'm recording this. That's a 4 p.m. start ESPN 2 at Syracuse. Syracuse has won, I believe, eight of 11 in that series. And then at NC State on Wednesday, another ESPN 2 game, NC State has beaten Notre Dame twice in a row. And then Saturday, they come home and they play number 7, Louisville. That's next Saturday. So three big games. You're 0-2. I think you have to get out of this at 2-1. and You have to find a way to get out of this at 2-1. Because if you can go three and zero, which I really don't think is going to happen, I'd say zero and three is more likely than three and than three and zero. That would be amazing because now you're three and two in the league. Okay, if you get to two and one here, you're two and three in the league and you're sitting okay. If you only get one of these three, now you're one and four and you're kind of in uh oh territory. And if you don't win any of them and you're zero and five, well, guess what? Your your season's pretty much done before you even got started. The women they're six and eight. Really very much a lost season. They're only 2-5 and five at home. I should have went back and looked how long it had been since they lost five games. Probably 20 years since they lost five games at home. They are coming off of a 71-55 win against Pittsburgh. Uh, they'll play Sunday at Syracuse. And finally, the hockey team, only 9-7-2. and Nine wins, seven losses, two ties. There are one win, six losses, one tie in the last eight games. Actually, what was a pretty good start. Um, they will ho- have a home-and-home home this weekend against West Michigan University. So hopefully they can get it gone before they return to action in the Big Ten. The hockey team took some time off. I believe they've been off since December 14th uh, for Christmas break. And guess what, folks? Speaking of time, we are out of it. Thanks to Dio McComan Sons. We'll get a co-host in here next week, or at least I will try my best. Otherwise, we'll fly solo again. This has been your Blue Gold Report. Again, Dio McComan Sons Funeral Homes. Thanks for your support, folks. We'll chat again next week. This has been a
0: presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.